This is the Emergency Medical Minute, sponsored by Health One. So I think nothing characterizes our job more uh, as a team uh, than the care that we provide to patients that are near cardiac arrest, so the truly critically uh, ill patients. So in terms of sort of patients that come in sort of pulseless, either from trauma or uh, from a medical cause, there's generally well-substantiated protocols, ACLS or ATLS, where in an organized way, we can manage the care of those patients, whether it's a V-fib arrest or a PA arrest or blood trauma arrest or penetrating trauma arrest. Um, but what I wanted to talk about is sort of the patients that are near arrest, because I think that those are the patients where the differential is wider, the protocols are less well-established, and coming up with sort of a schema where you could approach that using the tools that we have from our not sick patients or for, from our protocols could really change the management of those patients. So the way I would like you to think about it is sort of the way I think about it when I hear of a critically ill patient coming in. The first thing I do is try and organize myself as far as the differential diagnosis and then sort of the equipment that I need, where it needs to be, and the team members that need to be organized uh, to uh, uh, participate in a successful resuscitation. So by way of introduction, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the differential diagnosis uh, first and then talk a little bit about uh, how uh, we organize as a team. Um, and I think that, that going through an exercise like this helps us stay organized when those near uh, or those critically ill patients come in. So as far as sort of the differential diagnosis, uh, of cardiac arrest. I mean, we've all taken uh, ACLS, right? So they teach the construct of the H's and the T's, right? And I'm not generally a fan of mnemonics, uh, but I think that in the case of something like this, you know, when uh, uh, the pressure is high, it's good to stay organized with something like that where you can go through a system in your mind. So just going through uh, the near arrest patient, against the backdrop of that differential diagnosis. So the six H's, uh, I would generally just sort of think about it as uh, three categories. Um, it ends up that, do you guys remember some of the six H's? Can you just sort of reel them off to me? What's that, hypoxia? Mm -hmm. Hypovolemia. Hypoglycemia, uh-huh. And then there's the electrolyte categories, which are H's for acidosis. Um, hypo and hyperkalemia. So those end up being six things, but you know you can just sort of draw upon your experience and know that most of the time when those patients are coming in, you know the most common thing is going to be sort of things like sepsis or a GI bleed, right? It's rare that you know something like hypoxia or hypoglycemia is something that you really get sort of blindsided by or confused by. So what I would say is that you take the six H's and you break them down first and foremost into the hypovolemia. So that's going to be patients who uh, dehydration, bleed, and then I would use all the distributive shocks, namely sepsis, as that hypovolemia category. Because the mainstay of that treatment is going to be proper fluid resuscitation and blood products as necessary. 
okay? As far as the electrolyte disturbance, you know, that, I would say that that comes in periodically in what would be the most common patient that you'd see with critical hyperkalemia, for example. Who's near arrest? Yeah, a renal, yeah. So a patient that comes in with like a dialysis uh, fistula uh, or known to be uh, in renal failure. Um, so, and hypokalemia, I would say, is extremely uncommon. And uh, acidosis is generally uh, uh, a contributing factor, but not a primary factor. So I would, I would say hypovolemia, first and foremost, and then hyperkalemia in a dialysis patient. The hypoxia uh, and hypothermia, I mean, those generally are very characteristic presentations and not something that you really need to organize yourself by. As far as the T's, do you guys remember what those were? Tension pneumo, tamponade, thrombosis, so I would say those are big ones. So PE and cardiac thrombosis. And then the other two, uh, toxins, right? And then uh, I add trauma uh, because occult trauma is uh, actually, I think, more common than, say, uh, hypothermia uh, as, a, as a cause. So as far as the six T's, you know, to me, it's always saying, hey, is this near arrest patient? Does, do they have an occult PE? Obviously, uh, an ACS, STEMIs are going to be obvious, but ACS uh, can certainly uh, uh, give you that hemodynamic instability. Tension pneumo, largely going to be a trauma diagnosis. Tamponade, again, in a renal failure uh, patient or perhaps a stab wound to the chest. Those generally not subtle, but think about that in your renal failure patient. Tox, occult ingestion, for sure. Uh, and then trauma is just sort of how I go through that checklist, right? So, you know, this is an exhaustive list of the peri-arrest, but I think that if you use the construct of the six H's and six T's, but frame it in a way of, you know, the things that we see commonly, and you go through that checklist, uh, specifically with regards to hypovolemia, hyperkalemia in a renal failure patient, the thrombosis diagnosis, and uh, occult trauma or occult ingestion, I think it gives you a strong sense of, you know, what you're going to need to do in terms of organizing your priorities. I think this will be sort of a good introduction, and then, you know, sort of, I think, at my next medical minute, which I'm doing in a couple of days, I'll talk about how against this construct, we organize our team and divide our resources uh, so that, you know, we can identify those conditions and, and, and treat them expeditiously. And I think that if we go through this, you know, a couple of times, you know, I think that, you know, the sick trauma patient uh, or the sick uh, uh, PA arrest or VFib, I mean, we all know the protocols, but it's those near arrest patients where, you know, I think if the organization breaks down, uh, situation becomes more stressful and you know we can't uh, w w the system wouldn't be optimized for results so okay does that all make sense okay all right thanks guys we are on a quest to provide the world with free medical education please help us out by rating us on itunes following us on social media and subscribing to our newsletter at emergencymedicalminute.com